Crosspoint Church's weekly sermon audio. For more information about Crosspoint, visit InsideCrosspoint.com. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I am so excited to introduce to you our guest this morning that will be delivering God's word to us, Pastor Kasho Kale from Kalapur, India. But a little background on how we got connected in God's providence to Pastor Koshal. Several years ago, uh, a network of churches that we're part of in the United States and in it internationally, uh, there was a pastor in the Northeast in Providence, Rhode Island, who uh, had a young lady in his church who was serving as a missionary in India. And she was serving with a South African missionary church planter, Gareth Franks, who many of you have met before, who was with us last year. And the Franks family was scheduled to go back to South Africa for a time of furlough and rest. And this brother in Providence, Rhode Island, sent an email to the network of churches from Nine Marks here in the United States asking if there was anybody that had a young man in their church that could potentially just uproot his life and go to India for six months to be an interim pastor to serve this church while Gareth Franks and his family went back to South Africa for rest. And I said, even before even talking to this young man in our church, yes, we've got a guy. <laughs> and um, we sent, ended, ended up in God's providence, we sent Logan Copley to be an interim pastor at Nasik Baptist Church in India, and he went there several years ago, and it was a wonderfully fruitful time. That began a relationship between us and the Franks family and their work in India. And so last year, Robert Ward and I went to India to do ministry there. And we went to Kalapur, another city in the south of India, which is south of Nasik, which is where uh, Gareth Franks had planted a church years before with Brother Koshal. And we spoke at a conference there. And then this past February, I returned again. And these past two years, I've just fallen in love with his brother, his family, and his church. And just been so encouraged by the faithful gospel witness that is happening there in Kalapur through Kalapur Bible Church. Well, as the Lord would have it, our relationship has deepened, and uh, he had an opportunity to come to the United States this, these past few weeks and do some pastoral training at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., which is kind of the hub of the Nine Marks Network that we are part of. And so Pastor Koshal has been in the United States, in Washington, D.C., learning and training with many other pastors around the world in the United States, and then has been in Seattle visiting family. And since he was here in the United States, we said, man, you got to come down to the Southeast and be with us at Columbus and preach on Sunday morning. And so it's just a real joy to have him. So he's, he's actually hit just about every corner in the United States. He's been in the Northeast when the blizzard hit last week. And it's hot in India where he is, and so he, he said it was like walking into a refrigerator. And then he's been in the, I guess, the northeast, and now the southeast. The only corner he has not hit is my personal crazy corner, the corner of California. So maybe someday I'll take him home to California. But it's just a joy, and I'm so eager to have this brother share with you. And he's going to preach from God's Word this morning. And then tonight, I would love for you to come back Tonight will be a more informal setting where uh, Pastor Koshal will share about uh, a little bit more about Indian culture and the church in India, and we'll have an opportunity to 
ask questions of him specifically about uh, the work there and how we can encourage him. So I'd love for you to come tonight, and we'll have dessert afterwards at 6. But for now, it's just a joy to have Pastor come minister the Word of God. Let me read a scripture that I think about when I pray for Pastor Koshal and the church at Kalapur. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 where Paul says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we pray for Koshal regularly at Cross Point in our staff meetings and as pastors, we, we remember the Lord's faithful work through this brother. So it is my privilege to introduce to you and to invite to come and minister God's word to you, Pastor Kashal Kale from Kalapur Bible Church in Kalapur, India. Come, brother. Let's Thank welcome you. him. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning, all of you, CPC. It's been a great privilege for me to be here in Cross Point. I've been here since last, I don't know, maybe 15 days or so. And as Brad said, it was truly in Washington, D.C., as if I was walking into a deep refrigerator while I was coming out of the airport. And uh, thank you very much, Cross Point, for um, helping me to come here to the United States and learn from other God's people at uh, CHBC, that is Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And uh, I bring greetings to you from my wife, Diana, and my three sons, Timothy, Jonathan, and Daya. And uh, we live in Maharashtra, India, and I'm pastoring Kolapur uh, Bible Church, as Pastor Brad has already told you. <clears throat> and I'm overwhelmed by all of your hospitality that I have been having since last couple of days. And I want to thank you for uh, paying for my air travel to be here in the pastor's conference and to be here in the uh, Cross Point Church. Uh, last month, we had Pastor Brad coming to preach in our conference about the false doctrine of prosperity gospel. And he showed us from the Bible the true prosperity and when we speak about the true prosperity gospel, or even the false doctrine of the prosperity gospel, it has spread like an epidemic, not only in the United States, but it is even prevalent in India. And when you tell people that you are a Christian, the only thing that comes in their mind is they ask you, uh, do you belong to those people who always talk about giving? Or do you belong to a people who always expect some miracle or some spectacular miracle from God? Or always talk about speaking positive or always slay people into the spirit? And to me, it's, it's like that. It is the only form of Christianity that is available in the world. And it is so because people have done it and uh, they have misrepresented the Christian faith to all the world. And so basically, let me just give you a, a, 
a definition of what prosperity gospel is. Basically, prosperity gospel, which is not a gospel at all, teaches its followers to treasure God's blessing than God himself. And in so doing, they undermine the atonement of Christ. They undermine the gospel. And so with that in mind, uh, let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. And we shall be reading the first six verses and we'll focus upon verse 1 and verse 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. Let me just read it for you. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time, this wonderful morning which you gave us, Father God. Your mercies are new every morning, every noon and every evening and every night. We thank you, Father God, for your providence. The fact that we breathe, Lord, is your grace. And we thank you, Father, for this. And as we, Lord, uh, listen to from your word, give us the humility of heart. Lord, give us the understanding of your word. Lord, as I preach your word this morning, I pray that you will help me to keep my focus upon your word. Lord, help me to keep my attention upon Christ. Help me to help me to exposit the word in a way you want me to do. Lord, I pray that you'll protect me from the fear of man. Lord, I pray that you'll protect me from making any mistakes in interpreting your word. And Lord, to you be the glory and honor forever and ever. Now ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've heard, and I'm sure Pastor Brad must have told you this story before. A story is told about the founder of Persian Empire. His name was Cyrus. It is said that Cyrus once captured a prince and his family. And when he brought them together, he asked the prince, what will you give me if I release you? He said, the half of my wealth. Then he asked him, and if I release your children? He said, everything I possess, I give to you. 
And then he said, what if I let go of your wife? What if I release your wife? And that prince said, your majesty, I will give myself. I will give you myself, he said. And Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he let them all go home in peace. He didn't charge them anything. And on the way home, the prince asked his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? And she said, with a deep love for her husband, I didn't notice that. Because my eyes were fastened upon the one who was willing to give himself for me. And brother and sister, this is exactly what you and I need to do. We need to look to Christ because he has given himself for us. He has given us the new life. He has, we are his bride, isn't it? And he has given us himself. And, and, and therefore, we need to look to him with gratefulness, with a heart deepened with love for him. Because we all were the subject of God's wrath, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. And that means we deserved death and hell. And only because of Christ's intercession and because of his atoning sacrifice on the cross, you and I are alive. You and I are having new life in Christ. So here is the title for the message this morning. The basis for a true Christian. The basis for a true Christian. And in, in which I will be giving you two topics. The first one is the intercession of Christ, verse 1. And another one is the atonement of Christ. Let me draw your attention to what John is saying in chapter 1 and verses 5 onwards. Chapter 1, verses 5 onwards. That's sort of our context for the passage that we have just read this morning. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5 onwards till verse 10. John is dealing with this test of a true fellowship in a corporate way. And in this, he makes the message of Christ as the foundation of a true, genuine fellowship. The message of Christ as the true, genuine foundation of a fellowship. And what is the message of Christ? The message of Christ is found in verse 5, wherein we are told that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That is the message, that is the foundation on which every church everywhere in this universe Pivots. And it means that God is holy and in Him is no sin at all. And if we are the part of Crosspoint Church this morning, we need to understand that this is what the church pivots upon. The holiness of God. The holiness of God is revered in this church. And that is the reason why this church exists. That is the reason why you and I exist, brother and sister. And that is the foundation of this church, the holiness of God. And that's exactly what John actually attracts his readers' attention to. 
So there is a foundation, there is an application of that foundation, which is found in verse 6. John says, therefore, look at verse 6 with me. If we say we have fellowship with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Well, the summary of this verse actually tells us that if God is holy, then you and I need to respond to his holiness by being holy. Therefore, walk in the light just as he is in the light. We have many references in, in the book of Leviticus as well as 1 Peter 1 verse 16. Be holy as I am holy, the Lord says. And then in verse 7 to verse 10, we have the clarification of what John is actually saying. We have the foundation that God is holy, and then we have the application that you and I need to be holy, and there is a clarification. Verse 7 to 10, do not claim to be without sin. Strive with all your might against the sin that is in you. At the same time, do not claim that you have no sin at all. Which is true. You and I, we we know that we have sin in us. Isn't it? And when we come down to chapter 2, John is narrowing down his message to an individual level. Look at verse 1 with me, if you could. He says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, there is the key. He is narrowing down his message to an individual level and bringing it down to a personal level. He's now addressing on a person-to-person basis. So let's go in this verse. And if you look at the first half of, this, half of this verse, we will realize that John is saying that, as I said, I am writing these things to you so that. It means everything that John had so far written in verse chapter 1, the call for fellowship with Christ, and the test of true Christian fellowship, all of these things are meant for one purpose, so that they will not sin. They will not sin. And this is a very important statement John is making here. As important as it is, it can create a misunderstanding because of what he says here. It means to many perfectionist people that once you have become a Christian, you cannot sin. I don't know if you have any perfectionist people in your home. We have many of them. They say that if you have become a Christian, you have become perfect, brother. You cannot sin. You ought not to sin. True. We ought not to sin. But we haven't become perfect yet. We will become perfect when Christ our Lord receives us in glory. But we are not perfect at the same time. And perhaps John's readers had these perfectionists' view of, of the Christian faith. And because of the immediate context of this verse, it tells us that there were people among John's audience 
who were not in a very good spiritual condition. And John is not suggesting that once they had come to faith in Christ, they have become perfect. He's not suggesting that. As many people take that to be. John does recognize the fact that all believers everywhere in this universe, they do have a propensity to sin. They do have a propensity to sin. And that's what he said in the next part of the verse. But what he is suggesting here, that once they come to faith in Christ, they will sin because of the sin nature that is in them. They will sin. But at the same time, the flip side of that is, he is not providing them a license to sin. Paul said the same thing in line with that, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. He said, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Again, Paul underlines the same fact that we all have the similar propensity to commit sin. Just to illustrate that, many years ago when our second son, Jonathan, was born, uh, we took him to the doctor, a pediatrician, and uh, they gave him this vaccine. And uh, a couple of days later, we realized that there was a pus formation on his hand, and we kind of became very anxious about that and therefore we took him to the doctor again and the doctor just checked him up and said that that pus formation is actually a normal thing and it astonished me because something to see that infection is something normal <laughs> infection is something normal i it was out of the world for me i didn't take it properly but then he said <laughs> Then he said, it will subside and it will be cleared off. He will be fine. Don't worry about that. And when he said that, I was very much astonished. But the point that I want to give you, brother and sister, if a person comes to faith in Christ, that person's battle with sin is normal. It is normal. And I want to underline this fact because so many new believers actually are overwhelmed by their sin that they look upon their sin more than looking at Christ and His cross and the work that has accomplished on the cross. That's exactly where you and I look at. That's exactly you and I need to look at when we are overwhelmed by our sinful nature. And we are overwhelmed because of our sin. You know, I remember Martin Luther who had a, a tendency of confession. And he would go on and on and on and on for three to four hours to his superior father. And uh, his sins would be very petty sins like, uh, Father Superior, I, uh, I coveted the chicken in Brother Brad's plate. And I, I, I did this, and I did... I mean, those sins were very little. 
But you can understand, of course, this was uh, he, before he came to know Christ as his Lord. But you can see the understanding of the seriousness of sin that he had in his life. And there is a moral for us to learn. Uh, once we become Christians, sometimes there is a tendency to become very light about sin. We need to be serious about sin because it is serious for God and because it costed him his son. Becoming a Christian does not make you sinless, but you do sin less. Becoming a Christian does not make you sinless, but you do sin less. You do sin less. No normal Christian can claim that he doesn't have struggle with sin. This is what John is saying here. He does not say that I am wait, I'm writing these things that you cannot sin. He does not mean, of course. At the same time, we also need to understand that John is not giving his readers a license, as I said just now. But he's urging them that they must deliberately forsake sin, that they must wage a war against sin that is in them. Thomas Watson wrote about confession, about true, genuine confession, and I quote this. Confession must be sincere. Our hearts must go along with our confessions. The hypocrite confesses sin, but loves it. Like a thief who confesses to stolen goods, yet loves stealing. How many confess pride and covetousness with their lips, but roll them as honey under their tongue? Augustine said, that before his conversion, he confessed sin and begged power against it. But his heart whispered within him, not yet, Lord. Not yet, Lord. He was afraid to leave his sin too soon. A good Christian is more honest. His heart keeps pace with his tongue. He is convinced of the sins he confesses and abhors the sins he is convinced of. End quote. This is exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be so. We who died to sin, how could we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all we were who we were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him through the baptism to death that just like Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, for so we also might walk in the newness of life. That is the redeemed life. That is the illustration of a redeemed life. That person who is washed by the blood of Christ does forsake sin and walks in the newness of life. 
And thirdly, notice the last part of the verse 1. John says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I just want to give you a question. How does what Paul is writing, what, what John is writing in the first part of the verse conjoins to the second point of the verse. Why is he writing the purpose and why is he offering them the intercession of Christ? He is offering them the intercession of Christ as a comfort. And that is exactly what we need when we sin. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us deep. And if that Holy Spirit does not convict you deeply and leads you to the Father, leads you to the cross, then that is not a conviction, brother and sister. Our sins may be greater. No matter how big or how massive, how worst the sin that you and I may have committed, Christ is there. He is interceding for us. Well, John tells us that, that, that Christ, when he went to heaven to his father, he is building a home for us as well as he is interceding for us. What is an intercession? He is pleading to the father for the forgiveness of the sins of believers. And this is a great comfort for every single person who has put their trust in Christ. And if you are here this morning who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, invite you to His comfort. Because there are many people who have not experienced this comfort. And when they are overwhelmed by their problems and their sins... The only thing they know is suicide. But when you look at Christ, you don't have to go that way. There is a second chance for you, brother and sister. Come to Christ today. If the Spirit of God is convicting you, come to Christ Trust in his finished work upon the cross. Only he can redeem you of your sins. Only he can save you from your sins. No matter how much you try to work out your salvation, you won't be saved. No matter how many times you try to come to the church, I would encourage you to come to the church. But let me tell you, coming to the church will not save you, brother and sister. Coming to Christ with repentant heart. Trusting in his finished work upon the cross. That is what will save you. And have you embraced him as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted in him, his unfailing love that he displayed upon the cross? If you are today here and do not know this then this is for you today. This is for you today. You have a, an amazing comfort in the glorious gospel of Christ. We have Christ as an advocate. We have Christ as our intercession. 
But this intercession is only available for those people who have trusted in Christ. And those of you who have not trusted in Christ yet, it is also available for you today if you come to Him. The forgiveness of sins is available for those people who would repent of their sins. It is not universally available for each and every single individual. It is for those who will come beating their chests and repenting of their sins. It's available for them. That's exactly why John in chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what he says in verse 7 as well, chapter 1. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Your past, your present, and your future sins are washed If you come to Christ, if you come to Christ, the fact that Jesus is interceding for us tells us that no matter whatever kind of sin happens from us, we are not going to lose our salvation. There is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you have heard this song from Newsboys. Nothing can separate. It's a glorious song. I just love it. I just love that song. And I, I, I listen to it every day of my life. Every day since it, is, it has come up. I have, I've been listening to that song. But isn't that a comfort to all of the believers here, brother and sister? Look at our lives and look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments and your life here. If we compare these two, and we will see that we have messed up those Ten Commandments in every day of our lives. Even when we have come to know Christ, we try to obey them, we cannot obey them all. And if you were living believer in the Old Testament, that would have been a costly affair for you. Because you would have to take a lamb and go to the temple every year and offer sacrifice there. But how gracious is our God that he sacrificed his own beloved son to set us free from our sins. To set us free from the condemnation of sin. And that's available for you today, the brother and sister. If you come and trust in him. It's your Lord and it's your Savior. Let me take you to the another point, the atonement of Christ, verse 2. And like the first verse, John gives us the basis for a true Christian in verse 2 as well. He says in verse 2, a, a believer is forgiven not because of his repentance, but because of Christ's atonement. Just in case you might be thinking that you are the master of your salvation, as the many people do that, here's what John offers you. 
The basis of true Christian faith is not your repentance, is not your devotion to Christ, is not many prayers that you pray, is not many hours that you spend in reading the Bible. These are not the basis. They are good in it themselves, but they are not the basis. The only basis for you to be a Christian is Christ and His atonement on the cross. And His intercession. Notice verse 2. John says, And He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. We'll come to, back, come to that in a moment. But in other words, John is saying that Jesus' atoning sacrifice is the basis for our faith, for our cleansing, for our standing before God. Well, let me explain you what the word atonement is. I am sure Pastor Brad must have explained it to you, but let me do it as it demands me to do it. The word atonement is a legal word. The word atonement is a legal word. It means, of course, you might have heard, at one meant. It's a combination of three words. At one meant. Atonement means reconciliation of man with God through the life, suffering, and sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. The word atonement also means to satisfy or to appease, or to calm. So in the light of the meaning of this word, Jesus Christ appeased, or he calmed, or he satisfied the wrath of God that was hurling against you and me. That's what Jesus did. By bearing the punishment of his people's sins on the cross. And he would have been right in pouring down his wrath upon us. While he didn't do it, he did that upon his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I who trust in him would be the righteousness of God in him. Jesus did not know sin, but God poured out all the punishment that you and I deserve upon Jesus so that you and I may be set free, so that you and I may be let go like that prince. We must ask a question as to why did Christ pay for our sins? Why did he have to do it? He didn't have to do it. But he still did, isn't it? Why did Christ pay for our sins? The answer is, he did it so in two ways. He did it in order to serve the justice of God. And secondly, he did it so to demonstrate the love of God. And three verses should come in our mind when we think about the atonement of Christ. John chapter 3 verse 16. You might have memorized that hundreds of times. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life through him. Romans chapter 3 verse 25. Whom God set forth to be an atoning sacrifice through faith in his blood for a demonstration of his righteousness through the passing over of prior sins in God's forbearance. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, these verses explain to us that God could not accept us into his fellowship unless the penalty of sins were paid. That is God's justice. Jesus paid that penalty for us so that we could be accepted by God in his fellowship. Jesus paid it all. Past, present, and future. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to worry about how will I be right in the sight of God. You merely have to come to him and trust in his unfailing love. His sacrifice on the cross. That's exactly what you need to do. There's only one thing that God demands of you. That you come to his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. But the point is, are you sick of your sin? That's the point. Are you sick of your sin? Like Martin Luther was before coming to know the gospel. Are you sick of your sin? Even when you know the gospel, even when you know Christ, are you sick of your sin? One of the glorious things that happens when you come to know Christ is that you become sick of your sin. You, you do sin, but at the same time, you start hating it. God works all things together for good to those who love Him, who are the called according to His purpose. God even works your sins to be good for your soul in that you will start hating it more and more every day of your life. In case you are wondering why did God still keep the residual sin in me, in us, well that is the point. It is to humble you. It is to bring you down and experience that His grace is sufficient for you. And my grace is sufficient for you because in weakness, my strength is made perfect. There's another thing that is very important for us to notice is the word world in that verse. Notice the next half of the verse. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the simple meaning of this verse says that Jesus' atonement was only for the believers Not only for the believers, but for believers as well. We might 
might sound contradicting, but this is exactly what at the same time here means. I will clarify that. But that is not what this verse means. And in order to understand the meaning of this verse, we need to understand the meaning of the word world. The word world. It means cosmos in Greek. And similarly, the word in John chapter 6, it means cosmos. Okay? And the word cosmos means cultural groups. Okay? Cosmos means cultural groups. People from every different tongue. Maybe having many different languages. It doesn't necessarily mean every single individual. It means people groups from all nations. They will be saved. That's exactly what it means. All persons. This verse does not teach universalism. This verse is necessarily particularism. It is particularly applied for those people who would come to Christ and put their trust in Him. And if you haven't come, here is an invitation again. Come to Him. Trust in Him. Love Him, brother and sister. It is better to love Christ than to love this world. It means that the blood of Jesus is able to save all people of all tongues and all tribes, but His blood is only profitable for those who repent and not for those who won't repent. Not for those. Let me bring this point to a conclusion. The atonement of Christ teaches us that all sins, past, present, and future, all are paid for. Our sins are paid for by Christ. And it is in Him you and I need to trust. No amount of your righteous works, because we are not righteous people. In the Bible, we are told in Romans chapter 3, there is none good, not even one. Right? No amount of your righteous works can save you. No amount of any good works of yours will save you. There is a story I recently read about a woman in India. Her name was Alila. I don't know if you have heard it. But in that story, we are told, it was a real story, by the way. And Alila, we are told in that story, Alila stood on the beach holding her tiny infant son. I just read it out to you. Close to her heart, tears welling up from her eyes as she began slowly walking into the river. And as she stepped into the water, silently making her way out until she was waist deep, the water gently lapping at the sleeping baby's feet. She stood there for a long time holding the child tightly as she stared out across the river. Then all of a sudden, in one quick movement, she threw the six-month-old baby to his watery death. And the native missionary called M.V. Vergis often witnesses among these crowds there at the river Ganges. 
And he saw this woman who was kneeling at the shores of that river and beating her breast and crying out loudly. And with compassion, M.V. Vergus went and knelt beside her and asked her, what's the problem? What's wrong with her? Through her sobs, she told him, she said to him, the problems in my home are too many and my sins are heavy on my heart. So I offered the best I have to the goddess Ganges. My firstborn son, Brother Virgus's heart ached for the desperate woman. As she wept, he gently began to tell her about the love of Jesus and that through him her sins could be forgiven. She looked at him strangely and said, I have never heard that before. I never heard that before. Why couldn't you have come 30 minutes earlier? If you did, my child would not have to die the way he did. Well, I want to impress upon your heart this morning. The atonement of Christ is precious. And the call to preach the atonement of Christ into the nations is urgent. The atonement of Christ is precious and it costed God his only begotten son. And as precious as it is, the need for the atoning sacrifice of Christ to be preached among the nations is urgent. It is urgent. And if you are considering, my brother and sister, to delve deep into the missions, this is a call for you. Come to India. Come to India. We have a great need of men and women who would lay down their lives for Christ, to preach Christ to the heathens, preach Christ to those who trust in their own righteous works. We need you so that you and I together can preach Christ and bring the living God home to many desperate and dying, eternally dying people so that they may find hope and faith and love, and glory, and grace in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful time. Lord, I do believe that your word has delved deep into your, brother, your people's heart and mind. And this morning I pray, Father, that you will give us the grace that we need in order to apply this word to our lives. Lord, I pray that you will give us the grace that we need in order not just be the hearers of your word, but be doers as well. Lord, strengthen us from within. Father, we pray that you will help us to love you the way you, you deserve to be loved. We thank you for this, the word that has come to us, Lord. And I pray that you would help us and lead us and guide us that the atonement sacrifice of Christ, which is precious, precious, Lord, will influence each and every single aspect of our lives. 
Lord, please help us and forgive us our sins, Father God, when we have trampled upon your grace. Forgive us, Lord, when we have, we have taken the atonement of Christ lightly. Oh God, give us the grace that we need in order to prize the grace, in order to, in order to prize the atonement of Christ upon our lives, in our lives. We thank you for hearing our prayer and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Let's go. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Amen. As the worship team comes back to lead us, I just want to say how profoundly thankful I am for that word from God. Do you, <clears throat> uh, I had to process through so many things as Kasha was preaching, just my love for him and just my admiration for his gifts. You know, the English is his third language, and he learned it as a child watching the BBC network in India. And sometimes I have, I'm just caught up in his brilliance and his gift. And I want you to know that you just heard the pure biblical gospel. Uh, coming into a room where you are uh, obviously of a different culture and a completely different setting, it can be very tempting to talk about your setting and your culture and your people and all of these things, but Kaushal, by God's grace, zeroed in on the only true news that matters and through the Holy Spirit delivered to you the gracious good news of the gospel. And if you have never responded to it, you could not have heard it more clearly. And if you, like most Christians, like I do, suffer from gospel amnesia and you need to hear it again and again, by God's grace, we have heard the truth this morning. And the only right response is repentance and worship of our triune good God. Let's, let's do that now. As the team leads us in a few songs, in just a moment, let's all stand. If you, by God's Holy Spirit, are being called to faith in Jesus, do not leave this room today without coming, speaking to somebody that you know to be a Christian. Myself, one of the other pastor's elders, Pastor Koshel, would be glad to pray with you. Don't leave this building this morning before stopping by the table and picking up that book, Who is Jesus? Pastor Robert will be there to greet you and give you that book. Don't leave this room this morning without having a conversation with a believer about what is going on in your heart. And for the rest of us that are already trusting in Jesus, let's rightly respond in thanks and song and praise to the God that we have so clearly heard preached this morning. Shall we do that? Let's stand together, friends, and sing together.